0: sure seems like we have been doing a lot of Legend of Zelda podcasts lately. At the beginning of last year, it was the... Or in February of last year. It was the Le- original Legend of Zelda's 35th anniversary. The, hmm, like... I think it was like November. Yeah, it must have been November. Um, Was the 30th anniversary of Link to the Past. And now we are at the 35th anniversary of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. I was very surprised to learn that there was just uh 11 months in between the development of these two games or uh between the release of these two games and i just sort of realized that when i was starting the intro and had to stop because like wait a second that can't be right did i make a mistake somewhere in the previous episode but nope nope sure enough there there is only 11 months in between the release of the two it sure felt like a lifetime uh between the two games when i was a kid and maybe it just has to do with the north american releases so so yeah, that's what we're going to be doing right now, is talking about Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. It originally released on the Famicom Disk system, and that came out January 14th, 1987. At this point, the disk system was about a year into its life, and this along with uh, the first Zelda, as I mentioned, Kid Icarus, Metroid, and Castlevania 1 and 2. It's one of the more notable titles for the platform. This also seemed to follow the uh, seeming trend of NES sequels, uh, of taking a rather wild divergence from the original game. Because, you know, it went from a, you know, top-down overhead exploring to, you know, sort of top-down overhead exploring with, um, you know, the dungeons, or the temples, and the battle sequences taking place on the side-scrolling thing. And also had um, the first and really only time it had, like, experience points, so, like, real, actual RPG elements in it. It's kind of a crazy divergence from the original. And I know I just said that, but, yeah, I think that's the best way to put it, is, like, you go from... The first Zelda to this, and it's just, huh? What the hell? Like this is the same. Okay, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> I mean, Castlevania Two wasn't that wild of a swing. It was different, but it wasn't like completely different like this one was. <laughs> so yeah, uh, this again, not one of my favorite Zelda games. It's I respect what it did and what it was trying to do, and I kind of wish Nintendo would take another swing at the way this one played out. I think I think they could really pull something different. You know, if the uh, Breath of the Wild. Seen seeing how that was a fleshed out version of the original Legend of Zelda scene, I'd love to see how they would make something work with the formula of Zelda 2, but, you know, it's whatever. But this being a video game music podcast and not the uh, Games and Junk Game Club, I probably should actually get in and start talking about the music, which this is one of my favorite Zelda soundtracks. I really, really like the music in this game. Even though there's really no themes from the original, this one kind of just really sticks out. I think it's got a lot more notable and memorable music than a lot of the other entries. I could probably tell you more songs off the top of my head from Zelda 2 than I could even Ocarina, um, especially Majora's Mask. I don't really remember much of the music at all from Majora's Mask, and that's just sort of a probably a fault on my own thing because I don't really like the way the Nintendo 64 sound chip is like, it just doesn't really do it for me. It's just too, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, getting off on a divergent here. I'm, I I don't know why the hell I'm using that word so much today, but I guess it's just uh, the word of the day. Apparently that's the word of the day for my word of the day calendar. So Alright, so the composer for Zelda II The Adventure of Link is Akito Nakasuka. Prior to Zelda II, Nakasuka would work on other early Famicom titles like Bike, Devil World, Cuckoo Land, and Ice Climber. After Zelda II, uh, some of his more notable projects he worked on are Punch-Out!, the Super Game Boy, Pilot Wing 64, Super Mario Deluxe, Brain Age, Wario Land Shake It, Rhythm Heaven Fever, and Smash Brothers for the Wii U and 3DS. He's moved on to a more uh, supervision and support role for Nintendo, and yeah, that means he's still with Nintendo uh, nearly 38 years later, which is very, very impressive, I think, so. All right, so what we're going to do here is we're going to break this up into little segments. I'm not going to do two separate episodes I could do for the um, link to the past. What we're going to do is go through the original soundtrack, And then move on to the remixes in a, like, not a separate section, I guess, because it's going to be the same episode, and there's not going to be really, like, a differentiating thing between the two. But we'll go through the original soundtrack, Uh, we'll cover both the NES and Famicom Disk System versions of the, like, three tracks that are different between the releases, and then move on to the remixes themselves. So, all right. so first up we're going to listen to is the title theme from the Famicom Disk System version. That was the Famicom Disk System of the title theme. Now, I think this is one of those things that this really comes down to you liking what version you grew up with. Because, to me, I like the NES version a lot better, even if the Famicom Disk System does have that extra channel it can utilize of sound. Because just doesn't really do it for me. There's really just a whole lot of like, eh, just, I don't know, just hits my ear wrong, but I think it's just a nostalgia thing. I think if I grew up on the disc system version, I'd probably be more likely to like the disc system version. So yeah. Anyway, here is the NES version. I think the thing that sticks out the most is the beginning in particular, that little I like the sound of the NES version better, but because of the extra sound channel that the Famicom diss System version has, that little tone can continue while the int- or while the like first like real segment of the actual track plays. Whereas on the NES version, it cuts out immediately when that thing hits. You'll, if you want to go back and listen to it, you'll kind of catch what I mean. Also, the sort of middle section of it, it just doesn't really do it for me on the diss System version. It, I don't know, it sounds a little less warbly, I think, on the NES version. And again, this could just be a preference of Things I Grew Up On. And yeah, nostalgia's a hell of a drug. Okay, moving on, one of the tracks that is not different between the DIS System and the NES is the Overworld theme. marks the first time that the Zelda series will not use its uh, main theme, and I, ugh, you know, you listen to that and you half half expected to at least kick in at some point and it just doesn't, and it's like, what, what what, the hell happened there? I got a lot of that too with Ocarina of Time with the, I think it was the opening sequence or the uh, uh, attract mode, I guess it would be, as that's playing, and I was sort of expecting the Zelda theme to play at some point, and it just wasn't there. Also, I was sort of expecting it on a Hyrule Field that it just never came, which might be another reason why I'm not too fond of Ocarina of Time. If I'm being honest, I think it might have something to do with me also just being um, more of a fan of chip tune, I guess, and compared to the uh, the Nintendo sixty four sound. But yeah. Anyway, moving on to the next one, and that is the battle theme, and we'll be listening to the Famicom Disk System version first. <laughs> Not a whole hell of a lot to it, right? Now, this is another reason why I feel like the NES version is superior. Granted, they also did have a you know, fair amount of extra time to work around you know, maybe some of the soundtrack's weaknesses uh, that they maybe saw in the System version once it was out. So here is the battle theme for the NES. A huge difference, but I feel like the extra bars that they threw in there kind of really added a little bit more sustainability to listening to this thing. It can get a little repetitive, even as it is on the NES. Never mind the Famicom version just being so uh repetitive. I feel like just the few extra bars that they added into the NES version really kind of helped that thing out there. Alright, next up is the village theme. nice peaceful little theme. You know, it's no Kakariko Village, but ultimately I wish this got used a little bit more. I it just, I don't know, it's really serene sounding and it is way underutilized in the rest of the series. I, I, I'm i like 99% sure it doesn't get used again and that's, that's a real bummer. I mean, that's actually kind of true of like all the music in this. I... <sighs> That'll be a running theme that I kind of say throughout this whole thing. I really like the soundtrack, and I'm really kind of bummed that it just doesn't seem to get the recognition it deserves throughout the rest of the series. You know, Breath of the Wild had tons of nods to the rest of the series, and I just don't remember a lot of Zelda 2 getting brought up, if I'm remembering correctly. You know, it's been a while since i played Breath of the Wild, so who knows? I could be wrong. Anyway, up next is the indoors theme, which plays when you go into a house in a village. realistically I think Nakasuka could have kind of rested on his laurels a little bit and just let the village theme play when you go inside of a house but the fact that he bothered to actually do something a little bit different is something I really appreciate because I really again I'm not like oh my god this is amazing but it's just a nice catchy like serene tune and it's just one of those things that I (sighs) just bum that this game does not get the I guess same love that the rest of the series does as far as music goes it's kind of depressing because there is so much good stuff in this soundtrack like there's not really a clunker in this bunch for the most part so yeah all right up next is the kind of kind of the legendary one from this and that is the temple theme There's a reason why I think this one gets the most recognition. It's not just that it's catchy. I mean, it does have a great rhythm to it, but it also has this sense of foreboding and danger in it, too, and it's got a great beat to it, too. Not beat, but just, like, a good rhythm, a good pace to it, too. really kind of makes you want to, like, keep moving along, but it also does make you a little scared and intimidating because, you know, these temples are kind of a bitch to get through, (laughs) if I'm going to be honest. I think I managed to beat Zelda 2 on an NES cart once. Maybe I could be wrong. I don't remember at this point. It's been so damn long, but I know I went through it on an emulator at some point, getting through it that way. And I think, you know what? I did get through it on the uh, Zelda collector's disc that came with the GameCube. So I managed to beat this game on a, uh, on a GameCube controller, which is I think a feat in of itself. <laughs> so yeah, but this is one of those themes that Really, again, should get more recognition in the rest of the series itself proper, but just kind of doesn't, which is a real bummer, because this is one of the more memorable, I would say, pieces from this, but also just video game music in the 8-bit era as well in general, because... You can, I think you can play this in front of most NES fans, people who kind of grew up playing the NES and play this, and I think a lot of people would recognize this as the temple theme from Zelda 2, because it's just really catchy, and you, get, you hear this a lot through this, because it's in every single temple that you go through except the last one, which is the palace, or the great palace, so it's kind of one of those things that you're like, oh... I know that one because I spent a lot of time getting the shit kicked out of me while this was playing. So maybe not the fondest of memory attachments to it, uh, but you know, all in all, a good piece of music. Okay, so the next one we're going to be listening to is another one that is split between the Famicom Disk System and the NES, and that is the boss theme. So up first is the Disk System. Not a whole hell of a lot to that one, as you can see, because of how short that was. There's not a whole hell of a lot to the NES version one either, just a couple extra bars to sort of round it out. So here is the NES version now Yeah, see what I mean? Just literally that kind of where it goes a little lower there in that section. And it's just sort of the end of that. Yeah. So. Again, not a whole hell of a lot to it, but most of those boss themes, eh, you know, in, a, in this, I, I, I kind of cut it a little bit of a break because, you know, the temple theme is so good. It's like, hey, eh, you know, just a little something different, yeah. All right, next up is the Great Temple theme. Not too bad, but there is certainly a lot to live up to with the regular temple theme and you know, the great temple, great palace, whatever you want to call it is, you know, it's fine. It's good. It's just sort of one of those things of it has to compete against something that's, you know, an incredibly great piece of music. So it's like, okay, well, let's see. Boy. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's a rough comparison. It's almost not fair at times. So yeah. All right. Next up is the last boss theme, which is what happens when you fight Dark Link. Very, very similar to the regular boss theme, but just a hair different that it's like, okay, well, it's worth throwing in there. So, Alright, next up is Princess Zelda. Now, let's remember this is a fairly early NES game. So, I mean, it's not like crazy early but you know it gotta cut it a little bit of a break i suppose so you know eh, some of these tracks that are a little shorter yeah just kind of whatever and also you know the turnaround time on this game from the first game is kind of incredible so the fact that there's this much original music is impressive <laughs> all right next up is the ending theme i guess this is the last one for the actual soundtrack itself and by i guess it is i don't know why i said i guess when i'm looking right at the damn thing anyway here we go <music> Now, of course, I could play the longer versions of these with it, where it loops kind of a lot more, but I just feel like, you know, he kind of get the gist of it from this. So, yeah. Okay, so that was the soundtrack to Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link, and I can't tell you how long I kept calling it The Adventures of Link. I don't know why I kept doing that. It's just one of those things. It's just weird in my head, and I know it's The Adventure of Link, but every time, not every time, but a lot of time it comes out in my head is like, The Adventures of Link. No, Jason, that's not right. You're a dummy. So, moving on from that little tangential thing there. The thing we're going to be doing next is listening to the remixes, as I mentioned at the top of the show. So, as it was with the Link to the Past one, and I believe the original Legend of Zelda one, a lot of these I've had from Overclocked Remix for a lot of years, over a lot of devices, and they have just been sort of like drug forward with me all this time. A lot of these are the same files I originally downloaded from them way, way back when. Some of these are bordering on 20 years old themselves, which is a little not disheartening, but a little, like, oh, boy, oh, okay, I've been listening to video game music a long time on its own, so, yeah, all right, so the first remix we're going to be listening to is Hipcordian by Am I Evil? Bit off from my normal sort of interest, I suppose, in video game remixes, but you know, it, it's nice to get a different take on things and not always be some sort of like electronic or like hard rock sort of thing. So just having this kind of like weird a little like accordion driven thing is kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Next up is Hyrule Housing Incorporated. That is by Fatal Error, otherwise known, or his real name is uh, Ryan uh, Husey or Hussey. I don't know how you say it. It's H U S S E Y. So, Ryan, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> Might be a little strange that we're starting off with two themes that are remixes of the indoors theme, which are, again, very, very brief little, or is a very brief little piece of music, and... Uh, both these artists managed to stretch them out and make them interesting, which I thought was kind of cool. And this is one that stuck with me all these years and is, yeah, this is one that's kind of gotten drugged from hard drive to hard drive and device to device and is still, it's now up in the, you know, um, what is it, the Apple iTunes, or the I- iTunes Match Cloud for me. You know, I don't carry a dedicated uh, mp 3 player around anymore. I did up until, like, yeah, 6 7 months ago, but I gave my daughter my old iPhone 5s and that was my, um, you know, MP3 por- podcast player for a while because it just was nice having a smaller thing i could put in my pocket and walk around with normal headphones on instead of having to you know, use the lightning cable adapter, or lightning those lightning cable headphones, or Bluetooth headphones, because it's still I'm not a huge fan of Bluetooth headphones because they just the sound just has never been exactly right for me. It's always just been one of those things of like maybe a little bit over sensitivity to stuff like that. But yeah, whatever. Anyway, like that one, and like the previous one, and here's another one I like, and that is the Temple Revisited, and that is by Cimarron who, uh and their name is Matthias Anderson. <laughs> That was the first of three Temple Remixes we're going to be listening to today. I like this one because it's more just of a... Almost like an orchestration to a point. It, you know, gives it real, you know, quote-unquote real uh, instrumentation to it. And I think it's kind of cool just hearing that because... I believe, uh, some of the other remixes that we're going to be listening to a little bit further down, never bothered with the temple theme, which is sort of a bummer, but yeah. All right. Next up is Temple Trance and that is by Blind. And I, I think he goes by Blind EDM these days. And that is Jordan Aguirre. Jordan, I hope I'm saying your name correctly as somebody who also has a name that probably gets largely, uh, slaughtered, uh, much the same way yours does, uh, my, Jordan, if you're listening, my last name is, uh, Jason Ariola and i tend to say it a little bit more white because i just grew up not speaking spanish at all and i continue to not speak spanish but you know i have the pronunciation because i live uh in new mexico so yeah makes it a little bit easier to get some of that but anyway uh, i'm hoping i didn't just slaughter your name anyway uh here we go we're gonna we're gonna play temple trance so <laughs> This one really spoke to a very young Jason, uh, you know, uh, late teens early 20s jason because yeah that was kind of when i started getting into electronic music and this was just like oh video game music and electronic mix there ooh, this is cool and yeah this is one that has stuck with me all these years and is one that has continued to stay on playlists that uh, you know i used to like work with or run with and yeah just always kind of gets me pumped up because yeah it's catchy and that temple theme is just one of those things that you can kind of use to by itself just keep you pumped up but you add in a little edm to it and it's just like yeah this is pretty dope Pretty dope. All right, now completely going in the opposite direction. The next one we're going to be listening to is Thelonious Temple, and that is by Michael Contravios. Michael, I hope I said your last name right, too. Boy, I am batting a thousand today with these things, aren't I? Anyway, here we go Thelonious Temple. Longtime listeners of this podcast will know I'm not a big fan of jazz normally. And I think it more has to do with freeform jazz. That just doesn't really do it for me. When you have something like this, though, when you have something like that has a structure already to it, and then you kinda go with this and put or you know, make a jazz remix out of it, I think it works out pretty well, and it's something I can listen to pretty easily. It's just nice and chill. And it's funny to say that about the temple theme, which is, you know, an absolute like stress inducing track at times for me. So Alright, moving on. The next four tracks we're going to be listening to were done by Zelda Reorchestrated. The first one we're going to be listening to from Zelda Reorchestrated is the title theme. giving that track the proper uh, respect it deserves, I really appreciate that they did this. Hopefully when their 2.0 project comes about, they, or maybe gets worked on a little more, they do this one. I would like to kind of hear this one redone because, you know, it sounds good all in all, but, you know, the uh, some of the other stuff that they've released is like, oh, okay, well, you've kind of touched up a little bit after you've updated your instrument packets, I guess, or packages. I forget exactly what it was they did, but yeah, they did some really cool stuff. And I think I even put that on the link to the past one. If I'm remembering correctly, boy, I've done a lot of these episodes of this podcast and it's getting hard to remember because between this and the two other podcasts I do, it's like, Now, you might be asking yourself, Jason, you do two other podcasts on top of this one? Why, yes, I do, as a matter of fact. If you go over to patreon.com slash Junk, you can go and support this show. Uh $1 will get you a, a special color on your hacker alias on our Discord. The $3 a month here will get you the bonus segments on Multimedia Failure, one of the other podcasts I do, and that is a video game movie podcast where we watch uh, my friends John Lucero and Vanessa Cahill watch nearly every video game movie ever made, nearly, kind of Kind of, kind of, kind of chronologically, and then rank them against each other completely scientifically, not arbitrarily in the least. I promise you that. It is a scientific and I stand by the science and I'm sure it'll hold up in court or whatever. I don't know. $3 Three dollars a month will also get you the bonus episodes of Rock Out with Your Card Out. So if you are looking for a whole, whole lot more video game music to listen to in a uh, curated playlist, I'm, I'm your guy, I guess. Yeah, come, come, come over to that. Because what I do is I go over the games that came out that part of the month that we're in in five-year increments. So currently, the one that's out now is the first half of January for 1987, 1992, 1997, 2002, 2007, 2012, and 2017. I'm still getting used to getting rid of the 86, 91, 90 blah 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 from last year because I've only done one of those and I did a whole bunch of those other ones because yeah. Anyway, the other podcast I do is the Games and Junk Game Club. With John Lucero hosting and Vanessa Cahill and I kind of tagging along for the ride, we go. We pick like one game a month and we just take a really deep dive into it. No bonus segments on that, but if you really want to listen to it, you can do that at a higher quality audio rate in a handy catch-all feed for all three of the podcasts we do. And that's at that $3 a month tier, which is, I think, the absolute best bang for your buck and some of the best bang for your buck in podcasts out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would hundred percent agree now the people that really agree with me go up to the next tier and that is the five dollar a month tier for that tier you get all the stuff i mentioned on the previous tiers as well as a shout out and thank you on the show so for those people i have to thank vanessa cahill john lucero alex messenger josh carpenter eric nathan cooper and michael hughes i really appreciate every single one of you and you know even the people of the three dollar tier i really appreciate you guys too but you're not chipping in the extra two dollars a month to get your names right out on the show so guess what they shall not be read. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also a couple more tiers on there that you can uh, request an episode of any of the podcasts we do, or you can be on the show at another tier. So if you want to do that, uh, of course, I will do a little vetting because, you know, I can't have somebody who um, it just, I don't know, thinks like the 3DO is a uh, grand system and better than the Wii U, which is it, absurd. Anyway, we're gonna we're going to go ahead and move on and get back onto the actual podcast here. So next up is the town theme. so grandiose so fancy <laughs> almost i don't want to say undeservedly so but it's like wow they they really put a lot of work into this with between the really heavy piano and the harpsichord going on there there's a lot going on for that one and i i kind of dig it not kind of obviously otherwise i'm included in this thing anyway moving on the next one we're going to be listening to is the overworld theme <laughs> zelda reorchestrated really put in the legwork i it's like wow that was kind of amazing sounding it, it, yeah again i wish nintendo itself would kind of bother to try to do something with this stuff because it feels like the zelda 2 soundtrack gets really really left behind i wonder um I wonder how nakasuga feels about that because it feels like the poor guy just really doesn't ever get his uh, his due as far as this music goes yeah anyway the last one we're gonna be listening to from zelda reorchestrated is the battle theme I think soaring is the best way to describe that battle theme remix. It's yeah, that's a it, it, every time I hear that, it's just like, yeah, this thing just, is that feeling of just a soaring piece of music, and yeah, I really, again, really like it, wouldn't have put it in here if I didn't, so I don't know why I have to, you know, qualify that every time I say these things, because yeah, it's my podcast, and I wouldn't put in stuff I don't like, I think it's been something I've tried to do for a long time is not put in music I don't like, but yeah. Anyway, a bit of a late contender here is the Legend of Zelda Overworld theme, Zelda 2 Style remix this one is done by ratchet xrc and i only found this on twitter a few weeks ago but i think this is actually like 5 years old if i'm remembering the upload correctly basically the short of this is is when you hear the zelda 2 overworld theme you're thinking oh this is going to go into the hyrule theme itself you know the the zelda theme itself and you're like oh wait what 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 just happened that wasn't what i was expecting well Uh, Ratchet XRC went ahead and rectified that problem and made it fit so anyway here we go here is that remix reimagining I don't know what you would call it specifically but anyway here it is Now again while i absolutely love the overworld theme in this game it was a little bit of a weird thing to hear this the first time i was like wait what what, what just happened that wasn't that wasn't right not what the zelda theme sounds like but um yeah so this uh this remake kind of fixes that and yeah i really appreciate it, it sounds really good the uh, there's a little bit of a i don't want to say hiccup but maybe a little bit of a hiccup with the transition But all in all, I mean, I think it works really well. I think, you know, I I couldn't have done any better because frankly, I'm not a music creator. I just do podcasts and talk about video game music for the most part. So yeah, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yeah, well, I think you could have done that a little smoother when maybe there's just like a, thing with the fama tracker or whatever that just couldn't handle the transition as well or maybe it's just because i'm so used to it going one direction and the original zelda theme sounding one way that it just sort of like feels like there's this weird little hiccup in between but all in all i i really like this piece and i was really glad that i found this thing just before zelda 2 uh you know the thing came out and i started planning this episode out because yeah i really i really like this thing it's pretty cool and i think i might actually throw it onto my uh my itunes match thing because i really like this and i think i kind of want to keep it around so yeah Anyway, that'll wrap up this episode of Rocket With Your Card Out. So how about that? You get two episodes this weekend. Uh, hopefully that kind of makes up for the, um, let's say you know, a little mini vacation or pause. I gave myself there at the end or not the end of December. I kind of did put an episode out at the end of December and then, you know, just took like a week off or whatever, or a week and a half or something like that. But you got that. And then you got the bonus episode of rocket with your card out. So actually in the last like week and a half, you've gotten four episodes effectively, if you're a $3 and above subscriber. So yeah, maybe you should go do that. You get more rocket with your card out. Anyway, uh, that'll wrap up this episode. Again, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, maybe go play some Zelda 2. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, feel free to uh, use an emulator and save states and, you know, plow your way through that way because, you know, this game's a little rough, but there's a lot of interesting ideas. And it's all in all a pretty solid title. It's just, uh, you know, could use a little work, a little remastering of the gameplay, if you will, even if the actual you know, graphics themselves don't get touched, but maybe just a little bit like, Hey, maybe we kind of rejigger the experience point system or something. So it's not quite so uh, crushingly difficult at times. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening and talk to you next time. Great. I knew that groove was in your heart.